Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode. This week, I wanted to give you guys my current top 10 phantoms. And I say current because there are quite a few on this list that do stay the same. But, you know, as you get new cast members, and especially with the pandemic, you know, I was able to finally go back and listen to a lot of stuff and watch some videos that I just didn't have the time to do when, you know, you're running around without masks and, you know, in the pre-COVID world. So, um, you know, this list does sometimes change, especially, you know, like five years from now, I figure there will be some different phantoms on here. But right now, as of 2021, um, these are my current top 10 favorite phantoms. So um, let's get into it. Now, I do want to say that these aren't really in a specific order, um, you know, because like on my phone, I have, you know, all of these phantoms on there. And, you know, I listen to all of them. And, you know, sometimes I'm feeling like I'll listen to this person more than that person or, you know, when I'm listening to music, they'll come on the shuffle more or something like that. Um, but, you know, I think that all of these phantoms and other phantoms as well, not just these 10, but I think that, you know, these 10 phantoms, they all do things well in their own way. So I don't know if I could really pick, you know, oh, this one is number four and this one is number five and that kind of a thing. So just wanted to preface uh, that. Um, so the first phantom that, I mean, I, I think if I had to pick a favorite phantom, my number one ride or die, for my opinion, you know, for my taste personally, does everything right above and beyond, it would be Michael Crawford. And I mean, you know, I think for quite a number of people, Michael Crawford is their top phantom. Um, he was the first phantom that I ever listened to on the cast recording. So even if he wasn't my favorite, I would still have a special place in my heart for him. <laughs> but um, he is. And, you know, I think that he's just, in my opinion, at least, he's the epitome of of the character of the Phantom. You can just see that there is so much physically, emotionally, and vocally that he put into the part. And, you know, even if it's more subtle than others, I feel that every Phantom has something in their portrayal that comes from Michael. Even if they're not maybe actively trying to emulate him or something, Michael and the original creative team, they really, you know, they went up and back and they said, here's what's comfortable, or let's try this out, or let's do that. So Michael really was instrumental in creating the mold that they still use to this day. Of course, every Phantom is going to have something unique that they throw into it. And watching a Phantom, you're you're probably thinking, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't act anything like Michael Crawford. But there's still that mold. There's still those things that they tell their phantoms to do that emulate from him. Um, and, you know, Michael, he had that mysterious and romantic side of the phantom that I think overall is a little bit 
rarer nowadays. You know, I feel like the old school, more vintage phantoms, I guess, quote unquote, there was a certain romantic mysteriousness about them. Now I feel like since Ramin, um, the tide has sort of shifted to, you know, a little bit more of a, I mean, maybe a slightly more like aggressive, you know, sort of, I mean, romantic, but also a bit lustful in a way, you know, maybe a bit more passionate. So, you know, I think that Michael, he, it's just, it's so refreshing. Like, you know, you can watch him, you know, 500 times, and I don't think you're ever really going to tire of um, watching him. Um, Next Phantom that I'm really loving, I've always loved his voice, but over um, the course of the pandemic, I was able to sit down and actually um, watch a video of him, um, Anthony Warlow, and he was the uh, Phantom in Australia um, slash world tour. And, uh, first of all, you know, gorgeous voice. Um, and I, especially watching his final lair and stranger than you dreamt it. Um, I feel like he did a wonderful job in playing on the more psychological and tormented side of the phantom. And if you watch him in the part, I don't want to say that he was portraying someone who had like a mental illness or anything, because that's not really my place to say that. Um, but I think he really was able to bring out the torment that the Phantom has gone through and how it maybe has manifested in certain physical ways. Um, you know, for example, he paces up and back a lot. Um, he's He touches his face a lot. He shakes and quivers quite a bit. So, you know... Again, I can't say that that's like a mental illness or some kind, but I think he did a wonderful job in showing how physically being shunned from the world and all this stuff manifests itself physically into someone. Because, I mean, as we know, um, since, you know, science and everything has evolved, your mental well-being, you know, even if it's not mental illness per se, your mental well-being affects your physical well-being. So I really liked how he was able to bring that out. Um, And also, you know, he had an interesting mix of a little bit romantic, but also very childlike, which I also got, um, which was interesting because when you, you know, think of the Phantom, you think, you know, of a Michael Crawford romantic something, or you think of a room, uh, like a Ramin, like point of no return, like all the passion in your face. And then you have someone like Anthony Warlow, um, who really, you know, there was a little bit of like that, oh, you know, I like Christine, I want to be with her, I love her, but also almost like a childlike thing about him. And again, I think that that sort of stems from the fact that when he had his mask off, when he had the mask on, he was very much controlled and, you know, sure of himself. And then as soon as the mask came off, he, you know, he was shaking and quivering and, you know, touching his face and pacing up and back. So there's something almost very childlike about his phantom, which was definitely an interesting interpretation as opposed to, you know, the more 
I guess, quote unquote, regular ones that we usually get. Uh, next phantom, Ted Keegan. I have mentioned him before on this podcast. Um, we are big fans of Ted Keegan on this podcast. So just, just letting you know, um, I saw him, you know, he's been with the show off and on since 1999. So, you know, there was, when you see him, you know, back in like 2000 or something, there is a very sort of, you know, that old school vibe, you know, that subtle mysteriousness, romantic stuff. Um, and then I got to see him live in 2019. Um, cause he currently is one of the phantom understudies. Um, first of all, I think it's amazing that after 20 years, this man does not sound like he's aged at all. Um, he very much reminds me of how he, um, looks and especially how he sounds of Hugh Panero. Um, and you know, I just, I, I loved getting to see him. He, you know, he brought some of that old school touch with him, but also, you know, because he was understudying the part now, he's obviously been directed to, you know, add in those more modern touches that we see. But I think because of the fact that he's come from the old school ways as well, he's able to like incorporate both sort of acting styles into one and I absolutely loved it. Um, he was amazing. Amazing. Um, next phantom, Ben Forrester. Uh, he, like his principal, Christine, that he was uh, with for, yeah, the, yeah, the, the entire run. Um, Celinda, I'm, I'm not going to butcher her last name, but um, Celinda was uh, Principal Christine with Ben in London. Uh, they were the 30th anniversary pair in London. Um, I think like Celinda that Ben had a perfect modern sound. He, you know, reminded me of Ramin in a little bit in that he could hit the high notes and had this sort of smooth pop sound to him, but it wasn't super overbearing. Um, you know, again, Celinda also had that, you know, they, you know, she could belt, she had that sort of, maybe, I guess, modern pop sound to her. But when the part called for, you know, hitting a high note, or, you know, singing a toppy or a high E or something, they could do it. Um, so I love that there was, I guess, that sort of versatility um, in his voice. Um, acting wise, I, I loved how you know, even in Music of the Night, he has this sort of fascination with Christine because, you know, he's really sort of seeing her for the first time in person in Music of the Night. Um, you know, a lot of nice acting choices and interesting ones as well. For example, in Music of the Night, he had a sort of, and I guess what sort of manifests or personifies that fascination with Christine is that he was always sort of touching her hair and looking at it like, oh my God, I've never seen hair this nice before. <laughs> um, you know, it was sort of, you know, the way if you watch him um, online on YouTube, there's a video of him with Celinda during West End Live. And, you know, he sort of, he touches her hair and he holds it. And it's not when she's looking at him. So it was this interesting mix of, you know, I'm in power, I'm authoritative, but when you're not looking at me, oh my God, I'm so fascinated and like, I can't deal with the fact that you're here. So I sort of liked how he was able to show, 
sort of what the Phantom or his Phantom would be thinking because it's very hard to portray inner thoughts when you're in live theater. So I think that he did that very well. Next Phantom is Jonathan Rocksmith. Um, Regardless of anything else, even if, you know, I didn't care for him at all, I love the passion that he has, not only for the part, but also for how much he, like, respects Michael Crawford. Like, you know, if I can find, if I can marry someone who respects and, you know, admires me as much as Jonathan does Michael Crawford, I will be set. Um, And, you know, with Jonathan, first of all, I mean, his voice, I love his voice. I really do. Um, It has such a unique sound to it. And it just, it just, it, it works. Like it, so good so good um and also you know you can tell that he really puts a lot into every one of his shows um which also you know is similar to Michael Crawford and the fact that you know he's one of those phantoms not saying that these other phantoms don't consider each show to be just as important as the next but sometimes you can just tell when an actor puts every single ounce of himself into every single show regardless if it's a Tuesday night or a matinee and they've got another show after, you're going to get everything that the that this guy can possibly give you at that current moment in time. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I really hope that Jonathan sticks around for a while in the part. Um, I'm really hoping that because, you know, the world tour where he was um, starring in as the Phantom they were able to stay open in 2020 during the pandemic overseas, but um, they, their next stop, there was going to be like, I think a seven month tour um, of China that they were going into and they weren't able to do it, unfortunately, with COVID. So I'm hoping that next year we get to see Jonathan and the cast return. Um, I miss his phantom. I really do. Next one. Uh, this one is a bit... Uh, yeah, definitely a vintage Phantom. And I think he is our first Phantom who, our first non-English Phantom. Um, Michael Samuelson. He was the Swedish um, Phantom. He is on the Swedish cast recording. Um, Very similar to Michael Crawford, I think, in terms of his look, that rich voice, and the very sort of romantic and mysterious way about his phantom another thing that i notice is that the quote-unquote older phantoms um you know i'm not really going to try to determine what quote-unquote old means um but you know i suppose the actors that sort of have you know maybe a little bit of a broader build or you know they're like 40 or 50 or something that's not old in terms of the real world but I suppose in terms of you know musical theater you know compared to a lot of you know a lot of phantoms now they can be like 25 or you know 30 which is a bit younger compared to you know the phantoms of the more vintage era you know they were you know maybe between 40 and 50, a lot of them. Um, So I'm not saying that they're old, but the 
compared to like the remains of the world <laughs> and you know the younger phantoms the older phantoms i noticed that they sort of tend to have this way of acting that's different than the younger phantoms so like the quote-unquote older phantoms um you know they have more of a maybe a subtlety a more romantic mysterious way about them and then the younger phantoms you get that but you also get a lot of like this passion and this sort of you know aggression that you might not see with the quote-unquote older phantoms so I wonder if that is just how it's been or if that's how maybe people direct them whether that's subconsciously or not like can an older guy not have a lot of passion (laughs) because I'm telling you they can (laughs) I don't know that from personal experience by the way everyone calm down (laughs) but what I'm saying is you know if you have like a phantom who's like 50 years old I'm sure that he could play it with just as much passion, I guess, as like Ramin in the 25th anniversary could. So anyways, moving on from that. Um, yeah, Michael Samuelson, uh, the Swedish cast recording was posted online, I believe, by someone. Definitely go and listen to him, even though some of you may not be able to understand it. You will love it. I promise you, you will. Uh, Next one, Norm Lewis. Oh, a king. Love him. Now, I have mentioned this before, I believe, but he is only one of two phantoms that has ever made me cry during Music of the Night. The other one being Michael Crawford. Um, Norm, I remember I saw him for the first time live at the Majestic. I'm sitting, doing amazing, hitting all the notes, just amazing stuff. There's this romantic feel, you know, there's this sort of like power. There's, there's just, everything is going so well. And then he, you know, he does the famous music of the night pose and he leads her over to the, to the mirror bride. And I just start crying. (laughs) I just start crying. And, um, It was crazy because I, at least live, you know, Michael Crawford, I was like at home listening to him and I just started crying. Um, But, you know, that was the first time live that I had ever cried during Music of the Night. I always cry at the end of the show. But during Music of the Night, that was the first time I'd ever cried. And looking back on it, I think it was just because, you know, sometimes it's hard to put it into words and you kind of had to be there, I guess. But there was something about norm that was just spectacular you know I like I can't explain it but he was just so good there was just the performance that I saw you know there were so many nuances everything just seemed like it was thought out so well you know he seemed like you know a man who was trying to find love but also sort of like a man or sort of like almost like a young boy who was like lost and and needed someone because he'd been shunned and he was alone and I mean by the end of it you really sort of by the end of the show you really sort of felt like so bad like even more bad than you might feel for the phantom um 
So, you know, also, he also reminded me of Michael Crawford in how he sort of carried himself throughout the show and his movements and his very rich sounding voice. I guess another thing that I really loved was how his movements, none of it seemed like robotic or too fast or forced. It seemed very like graceful and gentle and it just... I mean, I was sitting there and at the intermission, I turned to mom and I said, this is the closest to Michael Crawford that I'm ever going to see in the role. Because like, I imagine this is how like is similar to how Michael Crawford was because my mom saw Michael Crawford a few times in the part. And my mom said, oh, yeah, no, this is like (laughs) he's the real deal. (laughs) You know, um, you know, it reminded my norm reminded my mom of Michael Crawford as well. Um, You know, so. I don't think Norm will ever come back to the role, but he was he was amazing. Amazing. Um next Phantom Victor Wallace. This uh, a little little understudy action we have going on here. Understudy love. Love to see it. Um I would love to see Victor as the Phantom in the original show because he was I think he understudied Rao in one of the U.S. tours in the original staging, and then he understudied the Phantom in the restaged U.S. tour. Now, the restaged tour, um, even if the Phantom tries not to be super aggressive, the choreography and the direction just kind of naturally makes the Phantom a bit more aggressive in the restaged tour. So, Again, I would love to see Victor in the original as the Phantom because I think you'd get a little bit more of an accurate representation of what he can bring to the role. Um, And it would be great to see him show a bit more of that romantic side that you don't see as much of in the restage tour, I think. But from what I did see when I saw him live, he had some very good acting moments. Um, You know, I think in Music of the Night in the restaged version, there's a lot of, you know, the Phantom seems very hesitant to do too much or, you know, touch her too much or, you know, that kind of a thing. But I think that Victor, he tried to sort of make that work actually to his advantage and to show that it's not because of the direction and it's not because, you know, it's not to diminish any sort of chemistry within the scene, but it's because his, you know, his Phantom is shy and, you know, doesn't, really know what to do um and you know there were some phantoms in the restage tour that I think you know they were a bit too aggressive I think that Victor he never took it too far um you know obviously there was that bit in the restage tour where he throws her on the bed but that's not really anything that Victor could help um but aside from that I don't think he ever took it too far There was that aggression there, but I think, you know, he tried to sort of reel it back a little bit. (laughs) Um, And his voice, oh, his voice. Oh, my God. I love his voice. If you can listen to his music of the night, I love it. I just, one of those voices that, you know, could sing you a lullaby. Like, you know, amazing voice. Um... I think we got four more phantoms left, so bear with me here, people. Uh, Next one, Ben Crawford, a king. Oh, my God. Uh, First off, he's one of the funniest phantoms that this show has ever had. Um, One of the funniest cast members, probably, that they've ever had. 
the guy, I mean, if, if theater didn't work out for him, which I don't see why it wouldn't, but if theater didn't work out, the guy has to do like comedy, like, come on, he's great. Um, and also, you know, uh, oh yeah, by the way, side note, his Broadway vlogs, if you go online and you type like Ben Crawford Phantom or Broadway.com vlogs, there are, I think, eight videos. He did eight vlogs of backstage. Probably my favorite Broadway vlogs that they've ever done. He's just, he's great. And the cast is great. Um, but moving on, vocally, he reminds me a lot of Davis Gaines. I remember I listened to him the first time and I was like, is this Davis Gaines? Did he like lend his voice to someone? Um, and I did see other people concur with that as well. Kind of sounds like a modern Davis Gaines. Like, not exactly, but very much like it. Um, you know, he has some romantic moments in there, some moments where he's very powerful and in control, and some where he is really super vulnerable. And just all around, you know, vocally, acting-wise, a very good Phantom. Like, even if he's not your favorite, you could go on any day and see him and you wouldn't feel like, you know, you wasted your money and everything. He does everything right, I think. Um, two moments that I'm going to throw in, which I might have thrown in before in a podcast, but, I mean, who knows anymore. Um, two moments. I have seen him live three, three times. I think the 23rd of October will be my fourth time seeing him. Um, one thing... Ben Crawford, he's had a lot of, and I guess because, you know, he himself is on the tall side as well, but he's had a lot of Christines that are short. Um, you know, there was, I mean, Kaylee and Voorhees, she's not super short, but compared to Ben, you know, a little bit short. And then you have Megan Paterno, who is a tiny little bean. <laughs> we love her. Um, and then you had Allie Ewalt, who was uh, a tiny little bean as well. And, you know, so a lot of times he has to sort of bend his legs a little bit in order to be able to get down and interact with them. So a lot of the show, he doesn't stand super straight, which doesn't detract from it in any way. Um, it's just something that happens. But I remember the last time I saw him, um, at the end of the show, Christine comes to him. I think it was Kaylian Voorhees that was the Christine. Christine comes to him, hands him the ring. And when he goes to take it, he was standing with his legs bent, sort of at eye level with her. When he goes to take the ring back, he makes it a point of standing up straight. And looking her in the eyes and holding her hand and saying, Christine, I love you. And I mean, maybe that was just how he did it or whatever, but there was something so poignant about that to me. You know, he's not sort of, you know, trying to be like in her face or at eye level with her. He's, you know, I guess when you bend your knee, sometimes you don't have as much of an authoritative look, quote unquote. Um, but, you know, by him sort of making that point to stand up straight and look at her right in the eye, it was like, you know, I love you and, you know, I'm laying it out on the table for you. So I really liked that. Second of all, after Christine leaves, after returning the ring to him, um, you, when I saw him live and then on, um, 
recordings that you can hear, he there was some slight variation from performance to performance, but he would say, he would call out to her and say, no, don't leave me, I need you. And I mean, and you know, he's crying as he says it, and then he goes over to the veil and he just buries his head in it, or his face in it. And I mean, you're sitting there and you're just, you're in tears. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's already, you know, a sad ending. And then he's just, he's just making it worse, but also making it better. It was just, I love it. I, I love, um, I love that part. I mean, I love Ben Crawford, but that, those parts specifically, amazing. Chef's kiss. Next Phantom. One of the fan favorites, Ramin Karimlu. Um, nothing wrong with having a fan favorite, that's for sure. Um, now listen, I think as time has gone on, I've really sort of, you know, like, I always liked Ramin. I liked that he was different. I liked his voice. But I think as time has gone on and he himself has matured and his voice has matured and he's just had more life experience... I think now it's like, okay, I like you in the role, but now, like, I love you in this role, and you have to come back and do it. (laughs) Um, You know, when, I think it was last year, he uh, sang Music of the Night, and you can tell that his voice, like, he is at the peak. If he doesn't do Phantom (laughs) again, even for a limited run, like, he is at peak vocal performance level right now if he doesn't do another run in phantom i'm gonna be pissed off (laughs) and i think you know for a while there he was like no i don't i don't really want to do phantom again but i think recently he sort of said well maybe who knows i'd like to so you know maybe um you know again he was good in london in the 25th but i think now he would be able to sort of have a really good balance. You know, there would still be that sort of, you know, like, craziness, (laughs) you know, that he sort of brought to the part and, you know, that sort of passionate aggression that he brought to it. But I think in a way, it would be a little bit more tamed. And I think, I I think it would really work. I just, I need it to happen. Angeloid Weber, if you are listening to this, please convince Ramin to do another run because I think after the year and a half that we've had, I think a lot of us are ready. We need it. We're ready. And it has to happen. Like something, make something happen. Um, and also his acting, um, again, you know, very romantic, passionate, but very wild. I thought that that was actually, um, a very nice, uh, how do you say it? I guess, a very nice sort of tribute to the old school phantoms that he looked up to. Like, um, I think he said there was Colm Wilkinson and Peter Carey. I think the first time he saw it was in Canada because he was, I think he was born in Iran, but he moved to Canada, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. But basically, he grew up in Canada, so I think he saw Phantom in Canada, and, you know, a lot of these, you know, like Colm and Peter Carey, they were very much phantoms who were old school, but could be very wild, and I think that he incorporated that well into his own version. All right, last two. Uh, this next one, I feel like I'm going to butcher his name, and I'm, I apologize in advance if I do, which I'm definitely going to do, um, but another non-English 
Phantom, or, you know, Phantom in a non-English production. Um, also, I don't know if this is the correct order that the name should be in. This is how I've seen it, mostly, written, so that's what I'm going with. But I know that in um, Korea, sometimes the names get switched around sometimes. Um, but the Phantom is Hong Kwang Ho. I hope that I said that right. Um, he is, I think that there are two uh, sets of casts on the 2009 Korean cast recording. He is one of the Rao's on that cast recording, but I believe a few months into the run, he had to step in as the Phantom, kind of similar to Jonathan Rocksmith um, when he did his first run in the world tour well what what became the world tour kind of a thing um you know his voice so dreamy like I would pay this man to sing me the alphabet such a dreamy voice now I haven't really seen that much of his acting but when I've listened to him I hear so much emotion um, you know, like, especially in the second act, I hear so much, like, pain in his voice that I can only imagine that this guy acted the heck out of the part. I mean, <laughs> come on, like, he just, he's giving me so much to work with. Um, I, I just love his voice. Please listen to it if you can, like, immediately. And finally, the last phantom on this list, drum roll. I don't know if you could hear that. Um, <laughs> Tim Hauer. Now, I have been told um, that his take on the Phantom was that he had been raised in cages, sort of similar to the movie, I guess, in a way. Um, so his Phantom isn't exactly sure how to love anyone, and he can fly off the handle quickly and act like a caged animal trying to get free and, you know, very sort of dangerous and I think that when he was announced as the Phantom, a lot of people didn't know how to take it because he was in a rock group and, you know, they were like, what are we getting here? And then I think he really, you know, he showed up and he surprised people with how he had this sort of raw rock quality to his voice, but also such power that you'd expect from, you know, someone in musical theater he, I always say that he was, because listen, Gerard Butler, um, not my favorite phantom vocally. Acting-wise, a lot of great things happening. But vocally, not my favorite. I always say that Tim Hauer, his voice reminds me of a trained Gerard Butler. Because um, he has this raw, rocky quality to his voice. But, you know, there's just, there's, there's the musical theater sound you know, the trained sound thrown in there as well. Um, and, you know, I just think that there's so much, there's, you know, he, Tim Hauer, he's a very aggressive phantom. Um, and, you know, he, you really don't know. I think what's amazing, kind of terrifying, but what's amazing about his phantom and his portrayal is that you really think that he is the character and you really don't know, you get so, he, you know, he makes you believe that this is actually happening. So 
you don't, you get almost scared that he's going to go too far with Christine. Like, for example, um, I remember I was doing homework and I was listening to a recording. And when Christine says, I gave my mind blindly, Tim Hauer, he, there's the pause, then he laughs. Which I think is more terrifying than even, you know, a phantom screaming, make your choice or something. He laughed and then he calmly says, you try my patience like almost like he's kidding or he's happy and then he yells make your choice um and I think the laugh especially was so terrifying because it may it just reminds you like it makes you think like this man could take it too far like you believe that his phantom would kill someone no problem um and he's like so terrifying especially like you know in the in those later in the final layer really um and yet you know for some people they might not like that he's so aggressive and terrifying and I get that um especially you know you're dealing with a very young woman um in the context of the show but it's it was really refreshing because London you know they're known for sort of giving their phantoms a bit more freedom and their final layers get really intense but there was something about Tim Howard he just he really took it there and I think that because he was setting the bar so high I mean all of his cast members that he you know all of the co-stars were great like Amy Manford um you know that, you know, that cast, they were really, all the Christines and the Rows, they were good at, you know, giving us that energy that the show needs. But I think that because Tim was setting the bar really high with so much energy and wildness, I think it made, you know, the other co-stars, Christine and Rao, really, you know, step up even further to the game and be like, all right, well, if you want to laugh at me and yell at me, I'm going to throw it right back at you, <laughs> you know? And it really made for some intense and amazing final layers. Um, so yeah, those are my current top 10 favorite phantoms. You'll probably see a uh, another one of these with Christine and Rao and maybe Carlotta. Um, you know, I should, I should probably, maybe I would do like a Carlotta one next. I feel like, you know, even the supporting principal characters, we need, we need more of, we need more talk about them. Uh, so yeah, my Instagram is an opera ghost, as many of you probably know. If you want to tell me your current top 10 favorite phantoms, please do so. Um, I would love to hear it and I hope that you enjoyed this week's podcast. I hope that you're all doing well. You're having um, a good day, a good week, and I will see you. Well, I will talk to you. (laughs) I will talk to you in the next one. Bye. Oh, and also, I send you guys all my love. I don't think I said that last podcast. I apologize. I send you all my love, and I send it again to make up for last week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.